Well, kids, I've got uh, a couple of questions uh, for you this morning. Uh, if you knew that you were going to spend the night at a friend's house, what would you do to get ready for that sleepover? Emery? Pack a bag. Seems like a reasonable way to plan and prepare. If you knew that one day you were going to have to run a marathon, but you've never in your life run further than one mile before, but what would you do to get ready for the marathon? Okay. Perfect. Start running uh, instead of walking on some of your dog walks. That's a great way to start getting ready, right? Prepare somehow. If you knew you had a spelling test in school this week, but you didn't, didn't know how to spell any of the words that were on the test. What would you do to get ready for your spelling test? Emery. I would. Um, well, so um, I would have a sheet of all the words I would need and I would have There you go. Print out a list. Practice it. Get ready for it. Here, kids, is my very simple point. If you know that something is coming... You prepare for it, right? If you know what is coming in the future, you prepare for it in the present. So that when that event comes, whatever it may be, whenever it may be, you are ready for it when it arrives. Makes sense, doesn't it? And kids, that's kind of what we're talking about in our sermon this morning. And so on your activity sheets, if you have them, I've got some questions for you to help you uh, follow along, which I hope will help you get ready today for whatever comes tomorrow. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is Moses' prayer in the middle of Psalm 90. And this is the passage to which we come this morning as we continue in our Lenten sermon series where we're contemplating death and dying from a Christian perspective in order that we might be a people who when our time comes, we are ready and able to die well. And of all the topics that we'll consider in this series, that death as judgment, death as mercy, death as defeated, death as gain. Out of all of these topics, it is this plea from Moses to God which strikes closest to the heart of what we're after in this season of Lent. It is this prayer that gets right down to the brass tacks of discerning how we can prepare ourselves to die well. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Inherent within this plea, there are really two questions that Moses is asking of God, which I want for us to consider today. And so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it with me uh, to Psalm 90 and to Luke chapter 12, as we're going to be in both of those passages As we consider how to number our days so that we might live and die wisely. The first question that Moses is asking the Lord in his plea is how do we number our days aright? How long are we going to live? 
Moses wants to know what his time on earth will be. The Lord's a good person to ask that question to. For throughout the scripture, we're reminded in many different places that he is the one who knows the number of our days. In Psalm 139, the psalmist acknowledges that in God's book is written every one of the days that were formed for him before even one of them came to be. God knows our beginning and our end. In Acts chapter 17, when Paul is debating with the philosophers in Athens, he tells them that for all of humanity, God has determined the allotted times and the boundaries of their dwelling. God knows exactly when you will live and exactly where you will live. Jesus Jesus acknowledges this truth as well. When in Matthew chapter 10, he tells his disciples to consider that two sparrows are sold for a penny, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the Father. And then Jesus reminds his disciples of how much more valuable they are than the sparrows. His point being that if even the time of death for a tiny, insignificant bird is determined by God, then how much more will our lives which are of far greater value than the birds, be numbered and determined by God with great care. God knows the number of your days. And so he's a good place to turn when we have questions about him. And within Psalm 90, God actually gives us the answer to our question about the number of our days. It's not the answer that we want, but it is the answer that we need. Look at it with me. In verses 1 and 2, Moses is worshiping God for his eternality. He says that God has been a dwelling place to every generation of people. And that from before the earth was ever even formed, from everlasting to everlasting, God has been God. And then in verses 3 through 11, in stark contrast to the eternality of the Lord, the psalm reflects upon the brevity of mankind in light of the judgment of God upon our sin. In verses 3 and 4, it says that we are dust. And that 1,000 years in God's sight is like a watch in the night. A night watch was three hours long in ancient times. And so what the psalm is saying is that 1,000 years of our time is like three hours to God. And that's metaphorical, obviously. It's not meant to be taken literally. But if we did take that literally, just for perspective's sake, and if we divided three hours by 1,000 years of hours, it barely even registers. It's a minuscule fraction of a second, like the blink of an eye. Our lives are as nothing, the psalm says. We're like dust. So minuscule, we're immeasurable. And then in verses 5 and 6, our lives are likened to a flood and to a dream 
and to the grass. We're swept away. We're hardly even remembered. We're here today. We're gone tomorrow. This is what our days are like. And even though in verse 10, the psalm does acknowledge that on average, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80 years long. That knowledge is of no meaningful value for us. Because as we read in our New Testament and gospel readings from this morning, we're not even guaranteed tomorrow. Don't boast about tomorrow, James said, for you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Your life is like a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. You may not be here tomorrow, James says. And in Luke chapter 12, Jesus warns the crowds through his parable that this very night your soul may be required of you. We don't know when the time of our death is going to come. And even if we do live to a good old age of 70 or 80 or more, even still, verse 10 tells us that our years are soon gone. And we fly away. The point of all of this is that our time in this life is short. Every human being, whether we live for a few seconds or for a century, in comparison to God and in light of eternity, our days here are as nothing. And so when we ask God to teach us to number our days aright, the overwhelming response back from him in his word is that the number of our days is short. Like grass that withers, like flowers that fade, like a mist that disappears, like a flood that's washed away, like a dream that can't be remembered, our days are that fleeting. We don't have Much time. And the reason that's important for us to understand is so that we can make good use of the time that we do have. So that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Which leads us to the second question for our consideration from Moses' plea. What is a heart of wisdom in regard to the number of our days? What does it mean to be wise In light of our short time here on earth. For the answer to that question, we turn to the gospel reading in Luke chapter 12. Because it addresses this very concern. You heard it read earlier, but as a brief recap, Jesus told a parable about a rich man. Who built bigger and bigger barns in order to store all of his great wealth. And looking at at all that he had accumulated... The rich man decided to live a life of leisure, relaxing, eating, drinking, and being merry. He was living the American dream, or so he thought, until the sudden and unexpected night that his soul was required of him, and he was not prepared. Then his dream became a nightmare, because he was shown by the Lord to be a fool, For laying up treasure for himself 
but not being rich towards God. And so in this parable, Jesus tells us what it means to gain a heart of wisdom in regard to the number of our days. If the fool spends his days trusting in what he has produced and is not rich towards God, then the one who is wise does the opposite. The one with a heart of wisdom spends their day being rich towards God and is preparing for the moment when their soul is required of them. And so church, the question I would ask you this morning is, do you have a heart of wisdom regarding the number of your days? Is your soul prepared for the day that it will be required of you? Are you living a life that is rich towards God? How do you know? How do you know that you're living a life that is rich towards God? Is it because you're giving to God? Is it because you're serving Him? Is it because you're living your life in obedience to Him? Is that what it means to be rich towards God? If it is, how do you know if you're doing enough? How do you know if you're serving enough? Or sacrificing enough? Or obeying enough? How do you know whether or not you are rich enough towards God? Scriptures tell us there's only one way to be rich towards God. And it does not come by your service to God, what you do for Him. It doesn't come by your sacrifices for God, what you're willing to give up for Him. It doesn't come by your generosity to God, how much you give to Him. Our richness towards God doesn't come from any of those things. In fact, what the scriptures tell us is that if our hope is based on how good we are or how much we give or how hard we work or on any of the things that we try to do for God, if that's what we're counting on to be rich toward him. Then at the end of our life, when our soul is required of us, we'll be found to be the fool from Luke chapter 12. Because left to our own power. Our own strength, our own goodness, our own resources, we will never have enough to be rich towards God. In fact, in our own resources, we are the exact opposite of rich towards God. We are impoverished before Him with a debt due for our sin that we will never be able to repay. Left to ourselves on our own, We can't be rich enough towards God. We need a resource beyond ourselves. And this is the good news of the gospel. That God hasn't left us to ourselves. That God doesn't leave us to pay our own debt. Instead, out of his grace and out of his mercy and out of his great love for us, What we could never do for ourselves, God has done for us 
in the life and the death and the resurrection of his son. God the Father sent his son Jesus to live the life that we weren't able to live and to die the death that we couldn't afford to die. And having been raised from the grave, Jesus now offers to us his new and resurrected life to be lived in us and to be lived through us. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 puts it this way. He says that this is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. That is the hope of the gospel. That upon the cross, Jesus takes our debt and our impoverished nature upon himself And in exchange, he gives to us the riches of his perfect life. So that when we place our faith and our trust in him and accept the offer of his great exchange, we can stand before God no longer as the fool who trusted in their own resource, but as God's own beloved child who trusts in all the riches of their father in heaven. Church. This is the way to live a life that is rich towards God. This is the way to get a heart of wisdom. To spend your days, the few and precious ones that you have, living in dependence upon Christ and his provision for your life and for your death. Living and dying in the peace and the assurance that when the day comes for you to meet your maker, you won't be chastised as a fool, but will be cherished by your father. When you spend your days like that, with that kind of love, with that kind of peace, with that kind of grace, with that kind of mercy, with that kind of hope, with that kind of assurance. When you spend your days like that, it changes everything about your life. Even the day of your death. Especially the day of your death. So church, let us number our days aright. That we may gain a heart of wisdom for God's glory and for our good. Amen.